Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we recap every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach, and Adam, guess what we're talking about this week? Jorts. Exclusively Thomas. jorts. <laughs> we're, we're, we're talking about the Savage Lands favorite, uh, favorite never dude. It's Sauron. That is right. This is a Sauron exclusive episode. All three stories have Sauron in them. And boy, howdy, do we love Sauron. As we said, I think we said last week, we've already covered all the good Sauron stories. <laughs> I don't know. Some of these have merit. There, there's a lot of fun Sauron stuff here in this episode. There's, so There's some fun stuff. I have a soft spot for Sauron because he's kind of dumb. It's kind of It's funny that the X-Men have to now fight a pterodactyl vampire because they weren't allowed to just fight a regular vampire at the time. <laughs> I love him because every single time they fight him, Carlo Lycos Lycos has sworn off Sauron. He's always like, I'm going to do the Sauron thing again. Uh, don't, don't worry about it. I'm good. I'm, I'm reformed. And inevitably he always goes back to being Sauron and wanting to turn the world into dinosaurs. And that's just great. It is. That's, that's the interesting thing. You know, there is the famous, there's the famous Spider-Man panel, a uh, Spider-Man, the X-Men panel of Sauron saying, but I don't want to cure cancer. I want to turn people into dinosaurs, <laughs> which is so pure. Soren had not wanted to turn people into dinosaurs previously, but yet it does feel right that that's all he wants in the world is to turn people into dinosaurs. Yeah, it, it's a great uh, retroactive motivation for all of Sauron's activities because generally he just he's very content with just sucking up some some great here's, mutant here's energy. The, here's the thing about Sauron: it's that dinosaurs are cool, <laughs> and fighting dinosaurs are also cool. So. If the X Men can fight a dinosaur, you, I mean, you, Bud, you just got it right there. So uh, that's the entire <laughs> entire thing around Sauron is that it's pretty cool to fight a dinosaur sometimes. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. So, who requested this Sauron themed episode, Zach? Oh, that's Patreon supporter Tony Thornley. If you want to be like Tony, you can uh, write for the website for years, <laughs> or. Unrelated to all of that, you can go over to patreon.com slash comments and folks, I like to deep, 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 dig deep down into my heart. Pocketbook. That's a couple coins are on coffers. Uh, and you know what, folks? If you do that, you can do an episode where you will give us a theme and then we'll forget about the theme, but have the one story that you picked written down. And then we will likely spin it into a completely unrelated, but generally delightful theme. As we did with Tony, when I had to talk to him last week and said, I forget what you really requested, bud. Uh, but I know you requested these stories and I saw Sauron was in it. So I decided we're doing a Sauron episode. Yeah, so we are covering uh, for our first story, Uncanny X-Men 353 to 355, written by Steven Siegel and drawn by the one and only Chris Bachelot, uh, inks by Tim Towson. This is like fresh and off John his... Betty and Andy Smith. 
Yes. And uh, Steve Bucoletto, he does those colors. Mm-hmm. And this is fresh off of uh, Chris's Generation X run. I guess. Well, they... this would be this would be a bit after his second Gen X run. Right. Yep. Yep. So I'm not sure what he was doing between those. Uh, well, I guess actually no. He went right from the '96, '97 Generation X, where he was doing. Where he was doing the chibi characters for a little while. Yep. Yeah. It's it's kind of wild to know that that's what the style was of Gen X before he comes over here. Because this is a lot more traditional uh, and something you might expect from, you know, maybe a few years before. Yeah. No. Uh, but it's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's really fun. Especially because... All right, so we did say this is a Sauron episode, but uh, a huge part of this arc focuses around Rogue and kind of having this weird, I don't know what to call it, PTSD of sorts from having touched Gambit and wanting to touch other X-Men, including, starting with uh, this story, a dream about wanting to get Wolverine's powers. Yeah, Rogue's going through some stuff. I think, so... Adam, are you well read in the Steve Siegel, Joe Kelly era of X-Men? Well, this is right post uh, Lobdell's exit, right? Right. So there's Lobdell's exit with Operation Zero Tolerance. And then we Mm -hmm. recently covered that issue where uh, they all come back and Maggot eats the bomb. (laughs) Right, right. But this is, uh, we, we have Maggot on the team. We have Marrow. We have Cecilia Ray's. And um, all of those characters were really the primary characters of adjectiveless X-Men. Yes. Where in this in this book, in regular X-Men, like Rogue gets a lot more play. Uh the arc after this, and even seated in this arc, uh the O5 get a story to themselves. Right. Like yeah. Steve Siegel has less of a defined team and more of continuing plot threads that were going on in Uncanny X-Men. And I think to his detriment in some ways, because you can you can say that the Joe Kelly era is really around Cecilia Reyes and Marrow and Maggot and how the team deals with the new dynamic, whereas I think it's harder to pin down what Steve Siegel's run is centered around. Yeah, there's yes, definitely rogue, but not even really. Well, and it, it yeah, it's it's interesting because he's definitely even in these three issues, we get two issues of Sauron, but then we also get an issue of Fist Fight with Alpha Flight. So Well, <laughs> Sauron is there, but he is tied and chained up to the back of Wolverine's motorcycle, making snide comments most of the time. It's fantastic. Which is great. It really is. But you're dead on about the cast. You know, Jubilee is here, even though she's not on the team, you know, it's very much here's who's in the house at the time. So the, uh, the story here, uh, centers around storm has created a nice, um, warm climate in the middle of winter down by the lake. And they're all going to go swimming and going to have just like a relaxing time. And they're not emphasize enough. That's not how large bodies of water work. <laughs> like if you, if, if it's a 90 degree day for a few hours, the lake will not be swimmable. 
Uh, especially when you have Iceman creating ice effects uh, as part of this party. So um, anyway, uh, you know, Rogue's not the only one who wants to reach out and touch somebody. Sauron appears. He is uh, hungry for some of that mutant energy and reaches out and the fight begins. And let me ask you, Adam, what's Sauron's motivation in this comic? He's hungry. He needs That's a it. snack. <laughs> He's very much here because Steve Siegel needed someone for the X-Men to punch while he does the stories that he cares more about, like the Deathbird and Bishop story or the O5 and what's weird stuff's happening with Gene Scott moving back to Alaska or any of that stuff. Though there is a really interesting, on that note, interesting Gene uh, beat in these stories that I think it's overlooked or not even overlooked, but it's something that when we talk about this era, because this era was like 10 issues and then editorial said, cut it out. We're going back to doing the regular X-Men. Uh, and I think that's to the detriment because there's a lot of like real character growth in that mm-hmm. scene with Gene and Scott where Gene comes out and she's wearing the green Phoenix outfit on one hand it's her best look and on the <laughs> other hand she's saying look everyone thinks this was me anyway and i don't think it was me but it's all anyone ever talks about when they talk about me and i didn't even live that i have the memories of someone who lived that but i didn't live that so i don't actually care i'm just gonna i'm gonna embrace this and people to this day are still doing gene embraces the phoenix stories yeah, um, I, I thought this was a really cool development. Not only does Chris Pachalo draw the hell out of Jean Grey in this outfit. I mean, it's just such a beautiful drawing. And uh, Scott's reaction, not great. He's obviously... Scott's uh, reaction is very Scott. He's like, <laughs> Gene, I don't know how to tell this to you, but I've had a lot of traumatic events in my life. And this <laughs> outfit was definitely at the center of some of them. Yeah, so... Uh, we are getting these subplots, but the the centerpiece is this uh, X-Men in their bathing suits attacking Sauron. And we get some great maggot stuff. We get some great maggot Jubilee stuff, stuff here. And it's a lot of fun. What you. This is before they do the full reveal with maggot, especially how young maggot really is, because mm-hmm. he's still pretty mysterious here, like. Chris and on the other side, I think Carlos Pacheco or whoever is drawing uh, adjective lists. They have been drawing him as a bit younger looking than Joe Madreira did. But you still don't know what his deal is. So you get these things where he is like puffed up with this swagger and this energy. He's like, oh, Storm, uh, do you need some lotion rubbed on you? And (laughs) And she says, no, I'm good. And he says... Okay, but I'm not. Do it for me. Come on. Help me out. Let me help you. Come on, Storm. And it's it could so easily come off as like a creeper move. And Maggot has enough. He has enough charisma, and it's played with him having enough charisma to counteract his super gross mutant powers. That it like it comes off as playful and fun and like respectful between two people versus weird and creepy. Yeah, we're also getting uh, some really interesting use of his uh, powers with Eni and Meanie 
basically creating a little sinkhole for them all to collapse into at some point so they don't, you know, smack into the earth and die. But uh, eventually Sauron is taken out and is wrapped up in a blanket and chains and taken away by Wolverine, at which point Alpha Flight mysteriously and very strangely, for no real reason, seems to come back to try and get Wolverine as if it was like the 70s. Um, I am sure that if anyone was reading Alpha Flight in 1998, they could tell us why this happened. Adam, were you reading Alpha Flight tonight? I sure as sugar wasn't, and uh, I, I've it, accepted. I've accepted actually that I don't have to read Alpha Flight. Like I could read Alpha Flight, but I don't have to. Like <laughs> for for our do, purposes, do I need to? No, I never need to read Alpha Flight. It's fine. Exactly. People are like, oh, the John Byrne stuff's really good. People, people, you know me. If the John Byrne stuff is the best stuff in Alpha Flight. I think I'm good. <laughs> well, at one point, uh, upon meeting them, Wolverine takes a whiff of guardian is basically like, I don't think this is the right guy. You know, like something as weird is going on. So it, it doesn't really matter. Um, it should at least be like, Hey, go read alpha flight one fourteen yeah, to figure it, out what's going on. It doesn't, uh, um, not a clue. Do no. not care. So Wolverine beats up Alpha Flight. We get more of the Gene and Scott stuff, which is, I think, really nice uh, emotional character work. And then the X-Men show up and, um, you know, help Wolverine finish off the Alpha Flight before everybody's like, ah, why are we fighting? You know, let's let's, let's just be cool. Um, oh, Rogue tries to get a mutant cure. Yes. There's a mutant cure uh, subplot here, which is interesting. He claims it works. Um, she doesn't go through with it because of Mystique, right? Doesn't Mystique yeah, show? Yeah. Oh, that happens after this. Yeah, that happens after this. That doesn't this, happen. Yeah, this life. doesn't. This doesn't get resolved until like three fifty nine, which is the last issue that Steve Siegel does before uh, they revert into whatever boring stuff they were doing before yeah, or after it, this. There's also, um, you mentioned it before, but we're getting flashes to what happened to Bishop and Deathbird. They'll get a one shot later, not yes. counting Team X 2000. Well, that's a book that I own and have never read. Yeah, this is leading into that. Um, and there's also, I thought this was interesting. There's also a quick cameo of a school inspector coming to um, certify... <laughs> The Xavier Institute, Wolverine's like, uh, you you shouldn't be here right now. Joseph is like freaking out for no reason. Not really sure what that was all about. It's this era is so interesting to me because there's so many bits that people would do later and be like, oh, this yeah. is a novel thing. This yeah. is really interesting. And they were there in 1998. And it looks, and then they they went the wrong the other way. Sure, yeah, it is interesting because I I think this is doing a nice job. It's juggling all the plot lines very well. It's um, very much akin to I think what Lobdell was trying to do with the books, which is you know yes, there are different books between X Men and Uncanny, but they're going to overlap, and we're not really going to worry about how. Um, I, I just had a lot of fun reading these. The, there's a lot of humor. Um, of course, Chris drawing them has a lot to do with it. Uh, there's a, a beautiful uh, motif in the first issue, 353, 
over the first couple pages through Rogue's dream sequence of a of a crow flying in silhouette across the the top of the page. Um, and then when you get to the end of 355, there is a crow uh, just sort of sitting on a branch. Now, this pays off in a couple of issues when there is a, a, a character that involves crows that unfortunately Chris doesn't draw that issue. But just just to have that wherewithal of like, okay, well, we're going to places and, and the art is going to reflect. I it's just think sm- that's neat. It's a smart run yeah. that unfortunately was cut off at the knees mm-hmm. and unfortunately did not get a chance to really live up to what it could have been. Yeah. It's it's a fascinating what if in my mind because what if this goes well, well then you don't get Grant Morrison. Mm, that's a good point. So where does where does X-Men go? What happens? Who knows? But it's like of all the paths untraveled, I think this is the one that would have had the biggest diversion from where we are today. Yeah. Ah, it, it's it's a very interesting uh, scenario if you start to think about it. So uh, I enjoyed this, but uh, let's see where it falls on our big old list, Zach. That's true. We do have a big old list of all the X-Men stories of all time, ranked from best to worst. The best story is The House of X, The Powers of Ten. Uh, the 100th best story, believe it or not, is X-Men Alpha Flight. Uh, the 200th best story is X-Force 1 to 2, a force to be reckoned with. Uh, the 300th best story is that time Adam X, the Extreme went camping with his grandpa. Uh, the 400th best story is Life Death 3. Uh, from the Storm Solo series. The 500th best series is Astonishing X-Men 1 through 6, Life of X. Y'all remember Astonishing X-Men, Life of X, right? <laughs> uh, number 600 is Origins and Endings arc uh, from Wolverine uh, 36 through 40. That's where he gets the Muramasa blade. Uh, oh, the last story on our road to 700 uh, is at 690 right now. It is the Draco. Oh, we're close. We're getting... Adam, we're getting close. <laughs> um, so mentioned that uh, school inspector. We do have the first three issues of Wolverine and the X-Men at 202. I think this is on par with that. Yeah, it's on par with it. Uh, I'm trying to think. I, I think it's going to have to go lower because it's not as good as X-Men 70, which is where like the team all gets together for the first time. And that's at 236. But okay. I think we're about in the right spot, right part of the area. Because I think this is probably better than that time Adam X the Extreme went camping, but not that much better. Well, I think we're better than at 250, the negative zone war from X-Men Gold, for sure. Okay, negative zone war is in a weird... What were we doing when we ranked negative zone war? Do you know, Adam? Because we were <laughs> oddly hot on that story that I don't remember being good. It was, it was fun. Um, yeah, I think this is a top 250 story. Um, is it better than Dead Man Logan, though? I don't think so. At 259? I think it is. I, I'm enjoying this more. You know, this I is like kind like of a, a classic, a silly... Dead Man Logan's got some great glob content. Oh, it sure does. But this is, this is a great roster. It's a fun story, good character work, and great art. So, yes, I think this is better than Dead Man Logan. It's not better than Trial... Of Jean Grey at 244. No, okay. That's probably a good spot. Um, it's not better than Marvel Knights X-Men at 247 either. Okay. I think this is probably better than 249, the Hellfire Saga from Wolverine and the X-Men 30 to 35. 
Uh, but it's not better than 248, which is Excalibur 51. Don't drink the water. That's the time that Excalibur goes to Dinosaur Planet. Well, Excalibur doesn't go. We just get an adventure of Excalibur <laughs> on Dinosaur Planet and the Dinosaur Excalibur. And then they wake up and Carl Lycos is a human on it, which is very funny. Great Love work, it. Alan Davis. All right. A plus, no notes. So we accidentally uh, paired some Sauron stuff there. That's great. Uh, it's our new 248, uh, 249. Um, next, we have some more Sauron. Yeah, uh, Sauron with a hat. <laughs> so this is coming to us from the far future of 2002. Um, this is Weapon X, The Draft, Sauron. Uh, written by Buddy Scalera with Carl Keschel doing the pencils on this. Um, Adam... What do you know about Weapon X, a comic that we have yet to cover on this uh, podcast? Well, there are five issues of the draft, and uh, they are Kane, Sauron. That's Garrison Kane, right? Weapon X? Garrison Kane? Mr. Fists Fly Off. Um, Marrow, Agent Zero, who is... Which is? Maverick, right? Um... Yes, except for at this time, there is an additional Maverick who is actually Maverick's son, Chris Bradley. Oh, from those right, weird... right, right. There's two of them. You ever think how X-Men Origins Wolverine had Maverick and Maverick's son in it? And Maverick <laughs> was Asian? And Maverick's son was uh, Charlie from Lost? And they were just both in that movie? Zach, I just found out just hours ago that uh, Hugh Jackman is going to play Wolverine again in Deadpool 3. So I don't, I, man. Does anything matter? No. Uh, (laughs) Are you, hold on. I, we've not had a chance to debrief except for me saying I sleep. Yes. Do you care that Hugh Jackman is coming back? Like, are you, are you upset or happy in either way? Um, I, when I saw the little trade trailer, because I've, Listen, since Free Guy, uh, and and re- what was it, Red Notice? Like I already read. Ryan Reynolds was already on like my. I can't stand. Free this Guy trip. is when Ryan Reynolds got on notice with you. But, no, guy? but like this is where things like completely went over the the like God that and the aviation gin stuff that's in everything, including this teaser trailer. Guy drives me absolutely insane. So. When they did the Hugh it Jackman, it took that long for Ryan Reynolds to get on your nerves. Listen, he's he's patience st- of a saint, my man. Hold on a sec. He's always was- supposed to, he's always supposed to get on your nerves. That's why he makes a good Deadpool. But of recent, he's really gone out of his way to extra extra like be as annoying as possible. So specifically to you, sure. Just he's just, going out of his way to annoy you. Adam. Yes. Um, do, do I want to watch Deadpool three with Hugh Jackman and Wolverine? Sure. Why not? Is this annoying to me? Yes. (laughs) I just can't, I can't care anymore. The idea of X-Men MCU discourse just terrifies me beyond all belief. Like it just breaks my spirit. And if I have to hear more about, Oh, Hugh Jackman in the comment, no one cares. Listen, if Hugh Jackman wants to take a break from singing the music man and, you know, get swole in the gym, why if not? You, just just Hugh let Jackman him do it. Jackman wants to make $10 million. Exactly. Let that, I'm not going to stop him. Let, let him I think it's a weird choice. I think 
I think it's well, okay. Do we want to get on discourse? I think it's a freaking cop out that they don't want to recast these people, and they want to be like, "Oh, remember these movies?" And people are going to be like, "Oh no, actually, the X Men movies are all hidden gems and they're all classics." And one, people didn't dislike the X Men movies until not that long ago. Yeah, it was it's true. It was less than a decade ago where there was argument that, "Oh yeah, X Two X Men United, that's the best superhero movie." Mm-hmm. That was. That was a valid argument you could make ten years ago. Oh. Uh, the other side of it, though, is that I just I can't care anymore. I, you're not going to get me to care about Deadpool three. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times. I'm sure there's a joke. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's tricky, you know. I, I ever since. Patrick Stewart showed up in Doctor Strange 2, which I thought oh was terrible. I, I just, my wife I've hates, lost faith. My wife hates Doctor Strange and in, in the multiverse of madness so much. <laughs> like she doesn't like comics. She doesn't care. My wife has never listened to this podcast. Love you, sweetie. You're great. Uh, and like, she watched that movie. She's like, this is dumb. And I hate it now. She's, she's all the other ones. And she's absolutely like, oh, this right. This is the one. All right. So uh, do you know what would redeem Deadpool 3 though? Um, if Sauron showed up, <laughs> if Sauron showed up and was played straight and not as a joke, like not as a, look how dumb this guy is, which I actually appreciate that Weapon X, the draft Sauron is a little bit like Sauron, you're kind of dumb because they it's, don't say Sauron, you're worthless. They just say, buddy, you're kind it's kind of weird that the Terran man is in our Weapon X comic, right? Like this is a weird plot you're about to do, Frank Thierry. It's really weird. Um, Sauron is wearing a really terrible costume, including like a weird bike helmet over his, you know, pterodactyl. Truly an awful look. It looks terrible. And his objective is even stupider. He's supposed to go recruit Emma Frost. Okay. To be fair. uh, Director Malcolm Cord and uh, Agent Brent Jackson are kind of assuming that Sauron's going to get murdered. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how they ended up with Sauron, but they do very much set up this plot. Be like, well, if he dies, then a lot of our problems go away, really. Well, obviously, Emma Frost is not going anywhere with Sauron. And what, Sauron... what's, what's, Adam, I know you know the song. What's the song that Emma Frost was listening to? Oh, oh. Um, I believe it was Stupid Girl by Garbage. Yes, it's Stupid Girl by Garbage. Great Emma Frost choice. Yeah. Absolutely awesome. Um, good choice so there. She negs Sauron for a while, which is clutch. <laughs> uh, but instead, Sauron goes after some guy named Jack who falls apart. Um, yes, this is Jack in the Box. Ah, Jack in the Box. He will be a major player in Weapon X. And by that, I mean he will appear one other time. <laughs> It feels like he was supposed to do more, and he doesn't. Oh, he appears in the worst issue. Too. Actually, no, I'm not going to say it's the worst issue of Weapon X, because frankly, a lot of those issues are bad, and there's a lot of stuff in those issues that I have blocked from my memory. He does appear in the issue where they uh, murder Maggot at a concentration camp. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you don't know about Weapon X, do you? No, nah, I don't want to read that. That sounds terrible. Oh, it's the worst. This guy does make, like, legitimate concentration. You know how everyone is always doing discourse about Sinister being a Nazi? Yes. Yeah, well, Comes from that. 
Yeah. It comes from this. And no one cares about this comic. Except for people like, but in Weapon X in 2000... Guys, shut up. We don't want it... We just want to... We just want our funny little friend with a diamond head. <laughs> let, us, let us have this one. Or a clover head. Or a I, spade head. <laughs> I'm not going to let Frank Thierry ruin more things for me. That's that's the line in the sand that I personally have had to draw is I'm not going to let Frank Thierry do it. So Sauron does show up back at Weapon X headquarters without his dumb helmet. And um, he does have Jack. Jack. Everyone is very confused how he was successful in this plan. <laughs> yes. Jack is, as you noted, in a box. He's Jack in the box because he's, I guess his telepathy makes him brittle. Is that the explanation? So he's just it's, a box. It's of a stretch. Whatever they're doing for his mutant power, they are stretching it like, no, you just wanted to do the pun. And it's not even that interesting of a pun. Yeah. You could have locked him in a cage and been like, hey, look, Jack's in the box. <laughs> I I will say there is a, a very sad moment at, towards the end of this book where Sauron is uh, put back in his cage and he says, all Sauron does is fly. Let Sauron fly. And I just want to be like, yeah, let the pterodactyl go. Come on. Well, because even in this, they're like, Sauron, didn't you used to be smarter? Sauron, <laughs> like, what's up with you? What's your deal? When did you go from the Neil Adams, Roy Thomas guy to this? Like, what happened to Sauron? And the answer is it's really fun to punch a dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is bad. I did not. I kind of like it. I mean, okay, tell me why, because there's not a lot here. Oh, because I think it's, I think the part where Emma Frost is mean to Sauron is great. Sure. But I, that's like two pages. I think everyone being mean to Sauron and Sauron just kind of like running with it, oblivious. It's, it scratches a very specific kind of itch that I have for stories. Like, it is very much a story that is built for me to like. Like, it, I kind of like the, more casual super villain stories like it's fun like you know what this reminds me of adam what's that it reminds me of x-men black mojo okay okay i can kind of see that you know like a, a goofy take them out of their normal context kind of scenario kind of thing i it's I, not as good as that one I, it's not nearly as good as that um that's at 325 right now on our list yeah and I could get on board if the majority of the issue was not spent. Like the whole second half of the issue is him chasing down this Jack in the box guy. Okay. It's Jack not good. Be, okay. Jack being like, Oh honey, great. I'm going to go be a superhero over in America. Now. Can you feed my dog? It's going to be great. I, I think there's potential in bits there that do not get fully realized. There is a security guard at the bank where Jack's, girlfriend works who sees Sora and if he wants to shoot him and Sora's like what are you what are you trying to do here I casually walked into a bank I did nothing <laughs> all right I, listen there's a couple of good punchlines there's some just, good bits in this one I just not great bits if you read it as as a whole it's just there's not a lot going on here the art's not like screaming at me I'm just I'm not I'm not feeling this one. The cover's by J.H. Williams, and it is not good. 
Well, they're all, all of these draft covers are done in this very, uh, high contrast black and white. And, um, yeah, some of them are better than others, but they're all sort of a pose. And then there's a little box, which is, I guess, whatever their villain is supposed to be, or I don't no, know. No, that's, uh, the director, Malcolm Concord. Yeah. But Concord. on other, other covers, it's a different person. Like sometimes it's Wolverine or it just depends on which cover it is. Um, oh, wait, I didn't realize that because I was not paying attention. Yeah, I don't remember enough about these comics to tell you what that's about. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, so what, where did you say Mojo Black, uh, X-Men Black, Black Mojo? 325. Yeah, we're definitely lower than that, I think. This is not as good as Punisher War Journal 6 and 7. That's when the Punisher and Wolverine met for the first time. Yeah, where's that? That's a that's at four oh six. Uh let's see. It's not as good as X Force ninety nine and hundred, the Dark Cathedral, with character who's super important whose name I forget already. Uh Arcadia. Arcadia, that's right. Not as good as that. Yep. This Where? is probably better than Aurora before the storm. Which is at what? 446. Like, yeah. I liked it better than that. I liked it better than first X-Men. I don't I would love to see Sauron and Virus hang out. <laughs> that would be really, really funny. That sounds TM TM, don't steal. Um, hey, Jordan, Jordan, Jordan D. White. If you're listening, Mr. Editor of the X-Men Mind, hit me up. I've got a great story that has a lot of potential for sales, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I think we're on par with like extraordinary X-Men one to five at four sixty seven. I think we're, I think we're better than this. Like, would you rather reread this or would you rather reread? Uh, no, actually, no. Adam X the Extreme is back and things have never been deadlier. Four fifty nine is better than this. You're right. I'm sorry. I take it back. I think I what if back. Deadly Genesis is better than this too? I thought that was regular Deadly Genesis. Actually, no. What if Deadly Genesis is better than this? We need to scroll down the list. Yeah. You're right. I I could here, here's where I This could, is better than Shattershot. That's a 481. Sure. Uh is uh, it better or worse than that time that Rachel thought she was a dinosaur and then turned into a dinosaur? Where's that at? That's at 474. That's Alan Davis, Chris Claremont, baby. Man, I just keep looking down this list, though. I I don't know, man. Like, is this, this really better than Enemy of the State at 489? This isn't very good. Like, this isn't as good as Firestar at 492. Isn't it? Firestar's bad. I. Uh. This is <laughs> okay. My floor, my yeah. floor on this. This is not. This is better than Curse of the Mutants, a book that is not as fun as it is to read as it is to talk about. Yeah. No, we can go higher than that. This is better than Wolverine and Jubilee at 495. Uh, This is better than, okay, let's go, I would say, then let's put it between Firestar and Marvel Team Up 69 and 70. Perfect. So this is going to be our new 493 Weapon X The Draft Sauron. 
Someone request a whole Weapon X episode so I can make Adam <laughs> read all of Weapon X, a truly trash garbage comic. Honestly, honestly, I I have I've said this before and I'll say this again. Frank Thierry may be my least favorite writer on X Men. I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing just, with that. Just all of the Wolverine in Weapon X in everything I've read. Very much, it may be Frank Thierry is bottom of the pile for me well we do have this last story to talk about and i don't think this frank last Thierry story is this one <laughs> frank Thierry didn't jim valentino the luckiest man in image comics uh did, did you say image comics what are we reading what is this oh we're reading by youngblood baby the comic series that rob liefeld does not own the rights to at this point what's going on with that guy we have not heard from awesome entertainment or what is it called what is the the thing he sold it to well he's because the awesome was rob what was the awesome was rob what was the thing he sold it to that that looney tune guy that dude was buck wild uh andrew rev of terrific productions llc that's what it was Remember for a while he was like tweeting every day and it, it all just seemed like absolute nonsense. Yeah, he was absolutely insane. Also was trying to, uh, I mean, he was going to rip off a lot of, a lot of young people. Yeah. Um, he yeah. has not tweeted since uh, well, I was going to say today, but that's not actually true. He has a bot running I don't know what's going on with Terrific Productions LLC. Um, I would love to know. Well, we don't have to know. You know, for for our purposes today, we have to understand that there have been several X Force. Adam, Adam, can we buy it? Could we buy? Could we buy the rights to Youngblood? That'd be great. I'd love to. Let's do. Have you read? Youngblood comics have you read adam too many i've read like five i read i've definitely read, read more than five youngblood comics i read the chad bowers and uh oh, yeah. youngblood mm-hmm. which was in continuity with the rest of youngblood which meant it was incomprehensible to me you ever read uh the og the original adam if i'm gonna read one og <laughs> image series it's gonna be spawned if I'm going to read two OG image series, it's going to be Spawn and the unauthor- unauthorized uh, covert covert action team. <laughs> Wildcats. Yeah, it's a Wildcats situation. If I'm going to read three, I mean, maybe Youngblood, but no, then I'm also if you're going like, to read three, you're going to read the Max. Yeah, but the Max isn't an original. Like that's not a right. that's not an image found. You're gonna book. read like the I would first... read the Max. Be- I'm gonna read the Max before I read Spawn. I'm gonna tell you that right now. You're like, gonna read like the first year of Savage Dragon. I'd probably read the first year of Savage Dragon first, and then funny. Adam. <laughs> then I might read Mark Silvestri's one, <laughs> Cyberforce. <laughs> but then I'd read Youngblood. Well, and for our purposes, sorry, today, sorry again, very specifically to Jim Valentino. I'm not reading Shadowhawk, not Shadowhawk two, Shadowhawk three, final Shadowhawk. Uh, you're you're <laughs> making references that I am sure our readers, listeners will love. I 
I never really read Shadowhawk. I think I read the first issue of Shadowhawk. Uh, and you're right, Valentino, lucky man. And here he is. Um, there have been multiple crossovers between uh, X-Force and Youngblood. But in this case, we have Wolverine crossing over with uh, the breakout star of Youngblood, I guess. Right, Arrow Man. <laughs> Not Shaft. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on. Rough <laughs> Life named his character Shaft. He does know there's an action star already named Shaft, right? Zach, the very first issue of X-Force has Shaft killing a man by throwing a Bic pen at him. <laughs> like, Rough Life knows no bounds. It also features when you flip over the issue, a psychic killing Saddam Hussein by making his head explode. That was how the series started. So um, the fact that... Listen, listen, Youngblood might actually be... It's terrible. Don't say it could be good because it's not. It's it's, like you said, nigh incomprehensible. It's worse than that. Oh my gosh. The the core idea of Youngblood being like being ecstatics that's a great idea sure if it ever really appeared on the page i mean (laughs) again should we judge the rob by what he actually does or should we judge him by the energy with which he does it i don't know how to answer that question i'm just gonna keep judging him uh because he's a jerk and now we're going to talk about one of his uh, major creations, who's basically a kid version of the thing. Great design. If you're going to steal, steal from the best. Not even mad that he was like, yeah, so Image Comics, what we need is a thing, and we need Hawkeye. Yeah. That's that's what we need, right? (laughs) So the uh, visual of Bad Rock, if you've never seen him before, he is basically the thing, except imagine instead of orange cracked rock, he's basically smooth concrete. That's what Bad Rock looks like. He's a dumb kid, too, which is great. He's a dumb moron kid and uh, lives with his mom. And he's uh, very excited because in this book, he gets to team up with one of his favorite superheroes, Wolverine. That part also rules. <laughs> it's great that this like dumb kid is like, oh yeah, Wolverine's awesome. I want to hang out with Wolverine. Love that. Bad Rock, you are giving such good vibes. And where this ties into Sauron is because this story takes place in the Savage Land. Yeah, so Tyrax, a what I have learned is a minor young blood villain, mm-hmm. uh, has gone to the Savage Land, has teamed up with uh, Kazar, not Kazar, excuse me, Sauron, uh, and has wanted to take over. And you know how Sauron wants to turn people into dinosaurs? I do. We mentioned that earlier. Well, that happens here. He gets to live out his dream because what Tyrax does is he takes, you remember Magneto's uh, mutation machine from back when Magneto was his job was to turn people into mutants. Yes. It's, he was a bad scientist who was making mutants. Strangely appeared several times in continuity. <laughs> so many times. Uh, anyway, he turns to Savage Land and mutates into dinosaurs. And they're called the dinosauroids. And they are. Chef's kiss. So good. Best idea in this book. Yeah. Uh, so the rest of Youngblood is is uh, summoned by an emergency 
they're they tell Bedrock he's got to stay behind, and while they're gone, to do his uh, homework. Right, he's got to do his homework, and Bedrock gets another emergency signal this time to help Wolverine in the Savage Land. The two of them team up. Uh, you know, Bedrock's got his backwards baseball cap on. He's very excited to team up with Wolverine. Honestly, Adam, the more we read, we talk about Badrock, the more I want to see if we could buy terrific productions <laughs> LLC and make our own young blood. Adam, Adam, I think you could draw a killer young blood. I you could... want to quit your day job and become the new creative genius behind young blood? <laughs> let's not get carried away, okay? Let's let's not assume we there's a leadership a out there. small business loan, <laughs> purchase terrific productions LLC, and you could you can. You can do you can do the main series. No. I'll do I'll do the business side and maybe some backups. All right. Um, and then we will hire all of our important friends and be like, folks, how do you feel about Young Blood? And here's <laughs> the rules. We don't have to follow any rules. I'm not reading any of the other comics. I'm reading the backs of trading cards and going off of that. <laughs> uh. Kazar and Zabu are here. I, this is a great plan, by the way. Um, it's a su- super good plan. If we got the rights to Kazar and Zabu, then I would be calling friend of the show, Zach Thompson, and saying, hey, you want to you just uh, see some of that Kazar series you were doing that was super freaking good? Go do that. Honestly, if this book did anything, it made me want to read uh, Zach Thompson's Kazar series again. <laughs> <laughs> Which, Which is Herman much Prong, better than or Herman, Herman Garcia. Yes. Fantastic art on that one. Not an X-Men comic, but could be. No. Still, still fantastic. So, uh, you know, we eventually get everybody teamed up here and they have to fight a giant dinosauroid. Am I saying that right? I think, I mean, sure. No oh. one has read this comic. It's fine. <laughs> they don't remember. And uh, instead of killing him, I guess they just get him to run away. Yeah, but do they, I think they turn him back into T-Rex first and then they let him run away. And yeah. then, uh, you know, Badrock is psyched because he gets selfies with uh, Wolverine and Kazar and Zabu. And like, what a what a great way to end the crossover. Yeah, he asks if that means him and Wolverine are friends now. Yes. Beautiful. I love this dumb rock boy. <laughs> it's He's everything that Rock Slide isn't on the X-Men, which is a good character. In fact, he's just... He's just a glob. That's the thing. That's why I like Badrock. Because he's kind of just a glob, right? Hey, uh, uh, he's not nearly as as interesting as Glob Herman. However, he's kind of just a a dumb kid. And uh, anyone who's got glob energy, which is just like a little, little oversized dumb boy (laughs) who's kind of sad, man, that's all I want in comics. I don't I don't know that uh, Badrock has that that sadness to him. He's, he's just a gleeful moron. Who's allowed to be sad. I, I don't know that there's, they're allowed to have nuance. So um, they're, they're just, they like to have very loud screams with spit. And even bad rock at one point has some cable guns for no reason in this. I, yeah. Bad rock does get guns. That's a weird choice. Weapons up. Um, so we've got art here by uh chap. Yape. And I think I'm saying his last name right. Yeah. Yap. I'm not sure. I don't know any of his work. Um, uh, I assume he was a awesome guy. He is one of the extreme studios guys. Uh, one oh, of the- oh, do you know what he's done for Marvel? What's that? 
Uh, he did Heroes for Board Avengers. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, that makes sense. He's he's definitely a Liefeld uh, collaborator, and I I think the art works pretty well here. Honestly, it's 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 fine. Tells the story. Looks like an Extreme Studios comic. It's better than a Liefeld comic would be. You know. Boy, you're not wrong. It's just it's so not my vibe. Oh no 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 no. I mean. The coloring on this not not fun. It's uh, so murky. Yeah, uh, that could be the questionable legality of a scan that I got. To be fair, well, I don't want. I don't want to judge. Am I a hundred percent sure that I own this comic somewhere? Yeah, but was I gonna? I was not digging through long boxes to find this one. Folks. <laughs> Uh, I may have to track this one down as, as I do own both Youngblood X-Force, X-Force Youngblood books, but uh, don't, don't have this one. So Should have done a whole Youngblood episode. What were we thinking, Adam? <laughs> we were thinking about Sauron, who is fun here. Sauron is not in those other ones. Sauron's fine. Yeah, he's, he's, he's less of a presence, an interesting presence than the other two stories we talked about today. So, eh, I mean, this is fine. If you're a Sauron completist, you're going to want to check this out. If you're a you know, Bad Rock's number one fan. You like to jump into battle by saying "yabba dabba do" and then get sued by Hanna Barbera and have to change. I'm sorry. I'm race. sorry. Did 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 Robert yes. do that? I don't think he ever got sued, but he did get a cease and desist. So yeah, um, that's the first step. Yep. He he knows that's someone else's catchphrase, right? But Bad Rock sounds like Bedrock, so he thought it would be funny. It would be funny. Great joke. 10 out of 10. <laughs> but I was alive in 1993. I remember the the Flintstones were a going marketing concern at the time. In fact, I do believe they had a movie. John Goodman was in that one. <laughs> yeah, you could still get your uh, your Flintstone vitamins. but um... You can still get Flintstone vitamins today, though I do think that they have reduced in vitamin popularity is you can get a lot of gummy vitamins now with your favorite characters and kids. Um, I don't know the last time the Flintstones were rebooted besides that DC comic. <laughs> don't forget about that. That was the best thing, Mark, best thing Mark Russell's ever written. That's great. Uh, and it was all downhill from there. Yeah. Uh, where's Rory and Bad Rock going on this list? Is it as good as X-Men Wildcats? No, absolutely not. Are we just saying that because we like the idea of X-Men Wildcats better? No, because the three, three out of those three out of those four issues are, are pretty fun. So two out of those. Let's be let's be generous. All right, two, two out, of, out of those. Yeah. Are but good. That's why it's where it is on the list, which is where is it? 547. Yeah, we're lower than that. Um, um what's the what's the one that we also it wasn't which Blade. Uh, We've done Gen thirteen, Gen X. I Gen mean, thirteen, Gen X. Which, which Blade and and Wolverine is way down at the bottom. I don't that think this is. Bottom. This I'm, isn't that no, I'm bad. thinking of. Was it Cyberforce? Oh X-Men? yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's well, that that, that one's fun. X Men Cyberforce. It's yeah, stupid. that's kind of exactly what you want it to be. Okay, um, is this better than let's just say Gen X, Gen thirteen, or Generation X? Yeah, or Gen 13, Gen X. Which which one? I forget. But do you think this is better than that or worse? I mean, they're on par. They, like, this is just a, 
a dumb team up. There, there's nothing really terrible about this. You know what I mean? Um, okay. Cyberforce X-Men is at 558. You think this is worse than Cyberforce X-Men? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think the art is better in Cyberforce X-Men, and that one gets right to the point. So I prefer that. I do think this is better than Gen 13 Generation X, which is the one that uh, Art Adams draws. Yeah, I would agree. That one's and that's partly because I definitely read the 3D version of that once with the 3D glasses that did come with the Game of the Year edition of Batman Arkham Asylum, which were not red blue 3D glasses. They were different colors, and that would likely explain the the splitting migraine I got within three pages. No, that that's totally fine. I I think that book is pretty. Uh difficult to understand too this one you don't need to know anything it's very dumb um speaking of difficult to understand is this better or worse than x-men the movie special number one by wizards of the coast the trading card game (laughs) company no no i don't i don't think it is uh though see i i'm i'm at a a weird thing here because i i don't think this is as good as brood feud 2 I think it's exactly on level with Brood Feud 2. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's, though, I think it's better than Apocalypse versus Dracula at 565. I would say we put it above Apocalypse versus Dracula and above the decimation arc of adjectiveless X Men from the Peter Milligan run, Mm -hmm. but below the Chuck Austin trial of the Juggernaut. Sure. Why the heck not? (laughs) A story that She-Hulk writer Peter David was so mad about that he made it actually be a scrawl. Oh, boy. Because he didn't like the idea of She-Hulk having sex with Juggernaut. Has anyone checked in on Peter David to see how he fared with the She-Hulk TV show? A TV show I have not watched. Oh, it's fun. You should watch it. You know what? The people behind it, Make me think that it might be the MCU thing that gets me back. But then I did accidentally pause my screen on a commercial of She-Hulk's face. And I got very upset. It was like, this doesn't feel right. No, no. It's it's a good time. They've, they have more than I how think. Long, hold on. How long, is, how long are the episodes? They're like half an hour. They're real short. It's a Funny, sitcom. If, if, they're, if they're half hour, they may get pushed put onto the list of things that potentially when he considers exercising watches while he exercises. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I do. I do my rolling machine and I watch She-Hulk. It is perfect. And so and... She-Hulk's the kind of show that if you've got like a stationary bike, yes. you should you should put on your put on your tablet in front of that as you've just woken up and you're like this sucks. I hate this. Yeah, cuz it'll make your uh your your workout fly by. Like the last episode was a bottle episode about She-Hulk being a bridesmaid at a wedding, and I was like this show gets what it means to actually be a TV show, unlike all these other shows that are like we have consequence, blah blah blah. And it's like no, nobody cares. Like, okay. You're selling me on She-Hulk cuz it seems like it's going to take the exact same level of, of investment as my current show, which is of course Tekken Bloodlines, a <laughs> adaptation of Tekken 3 <laughs> on Netflix. A bad show that sometimes I watch and I'm like, hey, I know how to do that move. I can do that move. I can do that move. And by I can do that move, I do mean I can press the buttons on Tekken and make Heihachi Mishima do that That's move. pretty impressive. It's great. So yeah, I mean, 
dude, I, I'm not going to tell you what to do. You you check it out. But I thought it was fine. Well, I, you I know, think I it's, think it's fine, Adam. What's that? This episode. Yeah, this was, this fun, was fun. I had a great time. Everyone enjoyed it. We all had fun. Feel a little <sighs> more like a dinosaur now, you know? I mean, walk in the door, get on the floor, everybody walks the dinosaur. <laughs> Uh, and do you know who walks the dinosaur? I'm guessing Tony. Tony Thornley walks the dinosaur. If you want to be like Tony, again, patreon.com slash comicsxf. And if you want more of Tony, and who doesn't, you can check out some of the columns he does over at comicsxf. He's doing a wrap-up of some of the X-Men stuff that we just don't uh, have the same level of rigor around these days. Uh, he's got a Superman column that he does weekly. Mm -hmm. Go check out what Tony's got. Tony's a great, great dude, great writer, great friend, uh, possibly part car. No one can confirm that he isn't at least 50% car. Um, and that's something that is an inside joke, which normally doesn't play well on large audiences, but I'm going to start the rumor, and people, you can go bother him at Brawl2099 on Twitter about how, is he really part car? <laughs> Ask him that. If a lot of strangers on Monday are asking my friend Tony if he, Brawl2099 2099 on Twitter, by the way, uh, if, if he is part car, I will get a kick out of it, and I will have forgotten this bit by then. So it'll be a fun reminder for me personally. <laughs> I can't believe <laughs> I'm sorry. He has a public Twitter account. No, I know. I'm Adam, just saying in the episode. Doing oh, this. I'm leaving it in. I just think it's really funny because I had kind of forgotten about that joke. And like, all right. Anyway, uh, I'm not going to explain it. People. No, don't. It's not worth it. It's an inside. Is everyone loves inside jokes that they're not part of, don't they? Mm. Don't they? That's what this podcast is. You, me, Adam, our parasocial relationship that we've got going on. <laughs> It's fine. It's okay. That's right. Um, Adam, if you want people to parasocially support you, where can they go do that? Uh, folks, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. Uh, speaking of TV shows like we just were, I uh, am helping Austin get started with the coverage for the new Star Wars show, Andor. Uh, so if that's something you want to check out, we wrote about that. And I think that should probably be I'll be up by then. I don't know if this will be up by then, but anyway. Uh, and uh, the week that this episode comes out, by the end of the week, I will be in New York at New oh, York. Oh, yeah. Yeah, at New York Comic Con. So, folks, if you, I will uh, be following the masking guidelines, but if you see a guy with kind of like Rivers Cuomo, Buddy Holly glasses and some fluffy hair, and he's wearing like a Battle of the Atom or a comics xf shirt that that's me so uh don't be afraid to come up say hello i will be trying to talk to as many creators as possible trying to put together an episode but uh i will have some battle of the atom stickers if uh you Please, want we have so many of these stickers people <laughs> uh, even if you don't like the podcast take like four stickers you can hand them out to your friends i am actually running a little bit low but i have more than enough to get through the weekend and, I can send uh, you some stickers, Adam. <laughs> I've got a spell. <laughs> we can always make more. And uh, yeah. I hope to see you there. And Zach, anything you got to you gotta plug before we skedaddle? I've got nothing to plug. And I just, I got to skedaddle. I apparently have to watch some She-Hulk, I guess. That's up to you. I heard, hold on. I heard the Wrecking Crew is in it. Yes. Yeah. Are they, is it, are the Wrecking Crew good? Like, they are they what I want them to be? 
they they just show up for a couple minutes and then they are probably going to come back. That would be my guess. They're Is only the on record going to have his magical crowbar. The, nobody has any special stuff. They're just guys when they show up. You'll see. They're definitely going to come back. I can't imagine. It's just all. ever since Kevin Feige joked about uh, Captain America three being Captain America in the Serpent Society, and then said, "Oh, you freaking nerds! You wanted that dumb stuff? Just kidding! Here's Civil War." I have wanted the good characters in the Marvel Universe, like the Wrecking Crew or the Serpent Society, to show up. It's okay. We had Modok. You know, we did have Modok. Friend of the show, Jordan Bloom, and potential friend of the show if he wants to be Pat, Pat Oswald. Uh, thank you for that. Thank you for having a Marvel show that knew that Marvel comics are the best when they're kind of dumb, just like our friend Sauron. <laughs> uh, folks, next uh, week we're doing an episode about pirates. Ooh. Arr. 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 Marauders. <laughs> Until then, folks, this has been Bally Adam. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!